you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. We're going to continue in a series called Foolproof. It's a study of the book of Proverbs. And while you're turning there and pulling out your outline from your worship guide, because I know you're going to want to follow along in the notes and fill in some blanks, I want to read this to you. James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This past Monday night, it was really Monday morning, late, late Sunday, it's like 3 in the morning, we got a call from Henrico Department of Social Services. Personally, they asked us to take two kids. Two kids had come into care. One two-and-a-half-year-old, another baby. The two-and-a-half-year-old was covered in bruises. We were unable. We have two five-year-olds, and then we have another three-year-old on the weekend, so we're unable. But there is a need for people to demonstrate their relationship with Christ. And here's, here's what I know. We, the government can't fix the problem. They don't have the compassion of Christ. We, we have to. And, and I just want to encourage you that it's not about what we know. It's about what we do. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If we just want to come to church and get smarter, you, you can do that anywhere. We, we come to be the hands and the feet of Christ to make a difference in a lost world. I, I, I just want to... There is a desperate need, not just for foster homes, but for people that love God, good foster homes, for people that can provide respite, meaning that they could give a weekend, a month, a day, a week, people that could be on emergency call if you're in a place in life where if they could call you in the middle of the night, they try to get it. Emergency care is supposed to only last for 10 days and, and try to before they can get them in a placement. So I, I just want to encourage you with this because it, there's a window right now. We're having an interest meeting March 3rd. So if you go to the interest meeting, it's all online, and, and I'll show it to you in a minute. Then you can come and hear where maybe you could be a part. Here's, here's what the Bible says. Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. We, we're going to, let's just say, let's just stay to the word. Deliver the, the hand of the wicked. I've got a I got a friend that, he's about 67 now, he's been pastoring about 40 years, his kidney went bad, he's on a kidney transplant list, doesn't, I mean, if he doesn't get this thing fixed, having to give him long life and even quality of life is worse. When he was young, him and his wife adopted three girls. One of the girls had a kidney that matched. He said, no, I don't want your kidney, you're too young. She said, no, daddy, when I was a baby, you gave me life. And now I want to give you life. We need to give kids life. We need to give them a choice. We need to, we need to give them a chance. And I'm just encouraging you to go to the webpage, be a voice for the forgotten. This is on our webpage. It'll kind of break down where you can be involved, what you can be a part of. And, and just know that the, the, this initial meeting is uh, March 3rd. What is that, Wednesday or Thursday? When is that? When's March 3rd? Anybody know? Thursday. So be a part of that. It, here's another thing I want you to know of. It's about our children's ministry. I'm wearing our Clover Hill Kids shirt this morning. I just want to give a shout-out to all our kids, workers. You guys are the best. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. We, we thank God for Miss Diana. You know, she'll be celebrating 10 years uh, this year of full-time ministry at Clover Hill. She volunteered for six years before that. She was one, her and her, wife, her husband, Mark, were one, of the first, were one of the core 11 when we first got here. And it's just served faithfully. Some people think, well, we got such a big church, we got everything covered. And the reality is, last month, January, we had 490 kids go through our kids. That's 
490 different kids. Go, that is a lot of goldfish. That, that's a lot, a lot of goldfish. And we, we need some people to come alongside and help. Here again what the Bible says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to suffer, uh, one of, one of these, these little ones who trusts in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large rock tied around his neck. You flip this verse on, on, on the flip side, and I think Jesus would say whoever causes one of, one of these little ones to come to faith or grow in their faith or experience their faith, uh, how much more is the reward? So again, may you let the Lord speak to your heart concerning that. And, and there's, there's outlines, uh, there's opportunities. Andrew's, Andrew will mention that in a minute. And then at the end of the service. And then the last thing is the Wild Game Supper. It's this Saturday. There's a 1 o'clock archery shoot. That's Bonera for you people that don't know archery like me. And then there's a 4.30. There's some outside activity. And 5.30, the doors open. It's just a great opportunity to invite your neighbors, friends, coworkers. Invite them to a great meal. We're going to have some great roadkill. And, and it, it's just going <laughs> to, no, dear me, all kind of great stuff. It's really, really good food. They'll, Lee McBride is speaking. Again, just a great, a lot of giveaways, rifles, all that hunter stuff. So if you, if you, you want to get a ticket today, invite a friend and be a part. And so, so that's what we're doing. And then today we're in this series called Foolproof. Remember Solomon wrote it? Solomon, when he went in to rule the nation, God said, what do you want, Solomon? Ask whatever. And he said, just give me wisdom to lead your people. And so God granted him requests. He was the smartest, uh, one of the wisest men, smart. He's known for his wisdom. And so he lived life. He watched others live life. And he, and he compiled all these wise sayings. All, it's like Proverbs is like uh, making life work for dummies. It's taking all these difficult, challenging uh, uh, topics and things to do and bringing them down on our level. And so I, I just encourage you to read a proverb a day for the next uh, 30 days at least while we're in this series. Uh, today would be the 28th. So this morning I read, when there is moral rot within a nation, it go its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leadership will bring stability. And so I'm just going to start praying that over the court this election year. I mean, that's just from the, from the mouth of Solomon, inspired by the Spirit of God. So God, just give us some wise leadership. He also says a lot about families in the book of Proverbs. A lot about the tongue, a lot about money, a lot about families. And, and, and that's where I want to kind of teach you from today or remind you from. And here's, here's the, the text, one of the texts, not the key text, but one of them. Proverbs 15, 20, a wise son brings joy to his father. How many have experienced, how many know that? How many have lived that out? You've had, lived long enough to see your kids get older, and now they've brought you much joy. There, there's nothing like it. I have a 22-year-old son. He just got married not long ago. I'm so proud of him. He loves God, married a great girl from a great family. He's got, he's got, he's got drive and, and vision, and he's got purpose. He wants to make a difference, loves the church, loves God. There, there is nothing that, that has made my heart prouder than, than, than that, than, than watching him grow and mature. And I think part of it, I'm so proud, is because of all the mistakes I made. I told my, his mom so many times when they, they were growing up, have I ruined them? Have I, am I the worst father ever? Because I, I probably made so many poor decisions. It just goes to say God's grace is sufficient, that even when we're not perfect or right, God somehow intervenes. And then the reality is he made so many stupid mistakes as a teenager, I can't believe where he is today. So I'm just excited for him. And it brings great, it just brings great joy. I got a 19-year-old and, and uh, the, the, the book's still out on him, not because he's not doing good, he's just not as old yet. 
still 19, but he seems to be making good decisions, loves God, loves the church. Uh, just, he texted me the other day. He said, Dad, I just want you to know I love you. And I'm like, okay, man, do I got to come bail you out of jail? Are you, are you strung out on dope? What's wrong with you? What, what is this all about? He said, no, no, Dad, I just, I just love you. And, and, and there's just nothing. I mean, there's no money. There's no stuff. There's no thing that this wise, when, a, when your kids are doing good, that it brings you. And here's what Proverbs 17, 6 says. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. So, yeah, that's right. Some of you are grandparents. You're excited. Somebody said grandkids are your reward for not killing your own kids. So, so you've been rewarded. And, and there's nothing like grandkids. But, but I don't know if we've read this or really understand it. I didn't like this. But parents are the pride of their children. There's a flip side. This is saying that, that children, wise children, when they grow up, they're like, thanks, Mom. Thank, thanks, Mom, for loving me through that difficult time. Thanks, Dad, for setting boundaries and disciplining me. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for, for, for raising me in the church. And Because the, there is, parents are the pride of their children. And this is what God wants. God, God wants, this is generational. And you say, well, it didn't start. It's not in. Well, you start it. You begin a new generation in your family legacy. And it's also for children thinking about their parents. But, but here, here's the thing. It doesn't just happen. And this is what Proverbs says. It takes wisdom. It takes intentionality. It, it, takes, it takes effort. It takes energy. Just because you had kids doesn't make you a father. Just because you got some kids that have your last name I mean, it makes you a dad, but it doesn't make you somebody that can invest in and sow them and grow. It takes wisdom. It takes understanding to grow a great family. And here's the reality. The foundation of a great nation is strong families. The, the, the foundation of a great community is strong families. So, so I know you want it. I want it for you. I want it in my life. I want a strong family. And so what does Solomon say? Wisest man that ever lived. He did it wrong a lot, by the way. His son, Rehoboam, did not get it right, split the kingdom, uh, really in half, made all kind of mistakes. So so my whole point is you can do everything right and still have kids turn out wrong because they got a choice in the matter. We we say this all the time. As parents, we've got to be intentional. We've got to be purposeful. It takes strength and forgiveness and grace and, and learning. But for kids, they got to heed instruction and, and submit to authority and be accountable to the Lord and, and learn to fear God and want to grow in wisdom. So it takes both ways. But, but I want a strong family. What does the Word of God, what does Solomon in particular talk about having a strong family? Let me give you three. There's probably more. But here's the first thing. Forever and together. You, it, if families... Are the strong families are the foundation of a nation. Strong families, the foundation is a strong marriage. And that's why I put marriage in the parentheses. Here's, here's what the Proverbs writer said. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice. Don't just put up with. Don't just cohabitate with. Just don't deal with it. Suffer through it. No, rejoice in the wife of your youth. It speaks of longevity. It speaks of forever. A loving deer, a grace, a loving doe, a graceful deer. They must have went to the wild game supper. May her, may her breast satisfy you always, permanence, always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And, and so I don't, listen, this is what I don't want to do today. I don't want you to leave with guilt. 
I don't want you to leave with what is. I want you to leave with hope. I want you to leave with encouragement that God is for you. And you might have, you might have been through divorce. You might be a single mom, a single dad, and you have found yourself in a difficult situation. God has not left you. God is going to help you. The Spirit of God is going to empower you. He's going to come alongside you and minister to those kids. But I do want you to know this. This is how the world views marriage, our relationships. Here's the world's way. Find the right person. Man, I got to be on the hunt. I got to be on the prowl. I got to be in the right place so that I can find the right person. And then fall in love with them. Get all the goosebumps and the feely feels and one boy told me the other day, man, when I get around that girl, I can't breathe. That's not love, it's asthma. Get an inhaler. That's what I told him. Stop it. And just, just fall in love. And then here's what you do. Fix, here's the world's way. Fix all your hopes and your dreams on them. They'll make me happy. They'll get me out of this hard situation. They'll fulfill and satisfy my life. Oh, my life will just be bliss if I can just marry them. And then failure occurs, if failure occurs, because it does occur. We repeat steps one, two, and three. That's the world's way. Here's God's way. Become the right person. Isn't that good? Don't find, yeah, it's, it's a lot better than you just said, but it's good. Become the right person. Holy Spirit, help me. Change me. Help me to be the person that you want to be. Don't fall in love, but walk in love. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And then you fix all your hopes and dreams on God. God, you're the only one that complete me. You're the only one that can satisfy me. I got to seek first your kingdom and everything else will be added unto me. Lord, you're my priority. You're my passion. And then if failure occurs, which sometimes it does, because people are fickle and relationships are hard, repeat steps one, two, and three. See, we, 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 I, I, here, here's what Solomon would say. You want a strong family? It starts with a strong marriage, forever and together. Again, for those that are single and, and, and going through that, I, I understand it. But, but here is, here's the word of God. Here, here's the best way. Paul, uh, Solomon would say, I, I don't understand this no-fault divorce. It doesn't make sense to me. This prenuptial agreement, that, that, I don't understand that. He would say, rejoice. In the wife of your youth. Uh, he, he would say, may her breast satisfy you always. That, that implies sexual passion. May he ever be intoxicated with her love. That means there's an emotional connection. Solomon would, would cry out to us today. When you're married, if you're married, stay married. Make compromises. Get help. Work it out. Fast. Pray. Dig in. Keep trying. Don't quit. For forever and together, marriages are the foundation of strong families. I'm not talking about if you're getting beat up or if you're getting cheated on. You know, there's exceptions. But for, for, for us that are just saying, we're just, well, I, we're just not compatible. We just can't, we just can't get along. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what the Word of God says. Don't do it the world's way, do it God's way. Winston Churchill was told one time by one of the ladies in his cabinets, one of his advisors, she told him, uh, Winston whatever they called him, Lord Churchill, what did they call him? I don't know. Winston, maybe she just called him that. Winston, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your drink. And he said, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. That, that, that is not what Solomon is talking about. <laughs> That's not what Solomon is saying. He's saying, just don't make it, rejoice in it. 
Build on every commonality that you have, every common interest, every common value, every common goal, every common pleasure, every common pursuit, every common ministry uh, involvement. And if you don't have anything in common, then compromise and change and grow and develop to to love one another and, and, and submit to one another and commit to one another. I had a friend in high in junior high school when we got off the bus every day. He was always somewhat afraid to go home and open up the door because his mom and dad were constantly fighting and bickering and arguing. His, his home was a war zone. And, and his greatest fear that he was going to come home one day and his dad was going to be moved out in an apartment until he could find a permanent place. And so there was always this anxiousness and this stress and this anxiety in him. And, 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 and our kids deserve better than that. I'm telling us, let's fight for peace. And let's pursue God. And let's make this idea of marriage what it was in intended to be and I know marriage is hard I know you some of you you put a man and a woman and just in that just because of that it causes challenges but then you take two people from two different families and two different cultures and somebody says no 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 marriage was made in heaven well thunder and lightning was also made in heaven there's there's challenges in marriage but I'm telling you it's worth it it's worth it for you it's worth it for your kids it's worth what's worth it for your grandkids it's just, it's just better. Here's the next thing. Be purposeful and intentional. And when I say that, I'm speaking about vision. I'm, uh, you got to start with the end in mind. When I started this message, I, my, my end in mind is eventually I want, I want grandkids being the crown of their grandparents. And I want kids to be proud of their parents. That, that's kind of the vision. That's kind of the hope that I have for you and your family and, and I'm asking you, what's the hope and the plan that you have for your family? What's the preferred future? What's the dream? What do you want it to look like three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, should the Lord tarry? You, you've got you've to see it. And, and, and so Joshua had this in mind. And Joshua stood, oh, Proverbs 29, 18, because where there's no vision, the people will perish. And Joshua stood before this crowd of people, and there was all kind of activity going on and all kind of things to, to focus your attention on and all kind of things to pull you away from the main thing. And Joshua stood up with conviction and with the power and with authority, and he declared, hey, here's my vision. Here's what I want. Here's my preferred future. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. I, I want my kids serving Jesus. I want my kids living for God. I, I want my home filled with, with God's presence. You say, well, well you know, what does it matter that my kids hunger and thirst for righteousness? Because the Bible says if you'll hunger and thirst for it, you'll be filled. Every other thing is false. Every other thing will not fully and completely satisfy. Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy. Well, why is it important that that I teach my kids a world, a biblical worldview. And when I mean that, I mean, why do I have to help them to filter everything through the lens of Scripture? Every decision, every choice, every, every issue, every challenge, to kind of filter it through the Word of God. Because the Bible says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If, 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 you, if you have a love of the world, it's going to pass away. But the man who knows and does the will of God is going to live forever. Why is it necessary that I keep teach my kids to live a holy or separated life? Because without it, no one will see the Lord. Why should I instill in my kids a reverent fear of God? To help them to, uh, to stand in awe and to, and to just really be devoted to God. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord adds length to life. Because in the fear of the Lord, there's a secure fortress. 
Because humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor to life. Because better a little with the fear of the Lord than with great wealth and turmoil. I don't want my kids living in turmoil. I want them to experience God. Well, why do my kids even need to serve Jesus? Because without him, they'll spend eternity in a devil's hell. Well, I'll just let them find their own way. No, no, there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. What is your vision? What's your dream for your kids? If some of us, I think we, our dream is to create professional athletes. And that you could put sports, you could put anything to, 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 to create honor roll. I mean, I don't know, geniuses that have high IQs and able to ace the SAT. And I, there's, I'm, there's nothing wrong. We, sports are good. Listen to me. I played them all my life. My kids have been involved in it. They teach values and teamwork. My, my, my concern is, even as my home and for your home, that we become out of balance. And instead of God being our priority, sports become our priority. And instead, see, some of us would rather see our kids at a home run than get filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us would rather see our kids' name on the honor roll than their names on the, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We've got it so out of whack sometimes. And if you, if you want your kids to be some professional athlete, then you get better get them involved in everything. Miss Sundays, miss, miss, I mean, just saturate your time, your money, your energy in that sport. But if you want them serving God, something's got to give. Something's got to give. I'm not telling this to you. I'm, ta- I'm right here in the middle of this. I mean, I'm encouraging you. Our priorities have got to be right. I think we focus so on the temporal, we miss the eternal. We get so caught up in the here and now, we forget about that there's a life after this life. And that's the one that really matters. Am I just preparing my kids for the here and now? Or am I preparing them for eternity? We're, we're going to stand before God one day. You know this, because we're stewards. That just means we're managers of what God has given us. So he's given us resources. We're going to give an account. He's given us gifts. We're going give to give an account. He's given us time. We're going to give an account. For many of us, he's given us kids. We're going to give an account. And when we stand before God, we're not going to be able to say, man, he sure can't hit a baseball. He sure can't shoot a three-pointer. No, no, we're going to have to say, hey, what, again, you can't make them, but you can, you can put them in an environment. You can, when, I, when I was growing up, when I, even in high school, all the free throws I shot, all the suicides I ran, all the practices I were part of, when, when I was tempted with drugs, I didn't tap in. I didn't, I didn't go back to, that, to those days in that gym. When I was tempted to, to have sex outside, I didn't go back to those days in the gym. When drugs were prevalent and everybody was taking them, I didn't go back to all those free throws that I shot. No, I tapped into the, to the Word of God that had been imparted in me by my parents. I went back to the times that I'd spent in the presence of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit and touched by His grace. I went back to the, to the kids that I surrounded myself with, with the same goals and the same desires that could hold me accountable. It wasn't sports that I tapped into. It was the Word of God that had been tapped into my heart. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just encouraging us today as parents, let's not... Let's not lose focus. Let's, let's, let's get well-rounded kids. Let's let them play sports. Let's pray they do well. But our main goal ought to be, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm more interested in their eternal destination than I am the right here and now. And I, I'm going to be purposeful about it. I'm going to be intentional about it. 
I'm I'm not going to allow my home to make Jesus a game and my activities to be a God. Jesus is going to be the priority of my home and my life. And so I would pray, man, I would pray, God, give my kids a clear revelation of, of who God is. I don't, I don't mean who, God, who the world depicts he is or who Hollywood say he, says he is. I mean who God really is, that he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, that he's awesome, that he's powerful, that there's no God before him or after him or, or, or beside him, that he is God and there is no other. I would pray that they'd come to know Jesus. Every day I pray, God, don't let my kids have a relationship through me to you. Let them come to know you personally and intimately. Help them to choose good friends that will encourage that and, and help that. Keep their hearts soft and tender to the things of God because at the end of the day, the most important thing The most important thing, other things might be important, but the most important thing is that they have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's a, it's never too late. It's never too late. My kid's 50 years old. They're hard-hearted. They're bitter towards God. They'll never turn around. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. Don't quit. You need to be their greatest prayer warrior. You need to be their greatest encourager. You need to believe God for their lives. You, you need to be their, be their biggest battler in prayer for their souls. Go after God. You got to be purposeful and intentional. And here's the last one. Love and limits. And I just, I need to prelude or just, just kind of say, I, I'm not Dr. Phil. I don't know everything. I'm definitely not a psychiatrist. I'm not a professional child rear. I, I don't. I, I'm, we're learning this thing. I'm trying to study God's word. I'm trying to apply his truth. I'm trying to figure this out. But I do know this. There's got to be love and limits. And when I mean limits, I mean discipline. And, and, and here's what the Bible says. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. No, mine's not. They came out a saint. No, they didn't. <laughs> they came out with foolishness bound in their heart. The Bible says it's a sin nature, a bent towards evil, a, a, a propensity to do wrong not right so what can i do as a parent i know that god has a part in this they have a part in it but what can i do as a parent to help them wise up but discipline will drive it far far away so when we think about discipline again let me just talk with you for a few moments there's love and there's discipline and there's two roads and and you got to be walking down both of them i think your kids probably more than anything need to know they need to experience some kind of irrational love they got to know that you love them regardless that you're for them and not against them, that you're going to help them. You know, I've made it a goal of mine that when my kids got in trouble, I wouldn't bail them out of the situation, but I'd walk through with them through the fire. That I'm not, that God might be disciplined, God might be doing something in them. I don't want to miss out. I don't want them to miss out on a life lesson. I don't want to remove them from the consequence too quick, but I want them to know that I'm always going to be there. You, you know how you do that? Words of affirmation. They say for, you know this, for every negative word, you need like 20 words to, to overrun that. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. I mean, you need to start tapping into the potential of your kids and speaking words of life over them. I mean, when they're bad, when they do something bad, it's not you're a bad kid. No, what you've done is bad. You've got, you've got potential and possibility, but your actions aren't right. You've got to be real careful with your tongue. James says, fill it with a chamber of praise and begin to uh, shoot that over the life of your family. If anybody knows about encouragement, it was Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. Remember, he goes up, he goes under the water and comes up out of the water. And, and God, almighty, heaven's open. God declared, hey, this is my son whom I love, and him I'm well pleased. 
And people say, well, they were, doing, they were just doing that for the people so everybody would know that that's God's son. No, I think he was doing it for Jesus. I think there was coming a day, three years later, he was going to be on that cross, people persecuting, disciples running from him, all hell breaking out against him, the devil attacking him. He needed the confirming, affirming words of his father saying, I'm for you, not against you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I got your back. That we, we've got to do that. There's got to be a lot of touch and nurture. I mean, and, and, and you know, you say, well, my daddy never hugged me. And look how you turned out. I'm saying hug, hug your kids, love on them, encourage them. There, there can't be enough. And I don't think they can ever get old enough where you can't love them or kiss on them. Don't do it on their mouth. If you do it on their mouth, there's another sermon for that. But do it, do it on their cheek, do it on their forehead, love on them. And, and, you know, encourage him. I have, I have this thing with Micah. He, he's always hugged kind of stiff and bows up his back. And I say, Micah, come here. And when you come, melt. And he's got to melt in my arms. And that means he's just got to, he's just got, we just got to, he's just got to do it. When Maddie, our five-year-old, I scratch her back every night. Again, I'm not telling you I do it right. Again, my home's just like your home. We have challenges and difficulties. Scratch her back every night. I do this thing every night on her back around the world in 90 days. X marks the spot. Daddy, you're not doing that right. You're, you don't act like you want to do that. Okay, around the world in 90 days, X marks the spot. Comma, comma, comma. This is on her back. Question mark. Spider's running up your back. Attack, attack. Spider's running down your back. Attack, attack. Cold breeze, tight squeeze. And she goes, now I got the chili with it. And she goes, Daddy, do it again. No, I did it. That's it. <laughs> That's our thing. Every night we do spiders. We go whatever. We just touch a lot. There's got to be a lot of grace and mercy. There's got to be time and focused attention. I don't see you writing. Maybe you're just are getting this all in your mind. But this is good. It's real practical. And I struggle with this. My kids, my older kids often will say, Dad, you're not listening to me. And you know what? If the truth is, they're right. I got my mind on 50 different things. And so I got I to gotta hone in and focus and give them some undivided attention. There, there's that love lane. And we got to do so. We, we, I mean, that's a must because discipline without love is it, it'll equal rebellion in your kids. But here's there's also has to be discipline. Listen to what Proverbs said: Discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you'll ruin their lives. Here's what it says: Proverbs twenty nine: Discipline your children, and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. And you know, I I just wonder if, if Solomon is is writing out of experience again because his kid gave him chaos and headache heartache and i wonder if solomon's going man i wish i would have disciplined more i wish i would have directed and discipline is not all about, it's not about just about punishment it's about it's about character it's about changing behavior not just inflicting pain here here's what it says in proverbs 13 if you refuse to discipline your children it proves you don't love them if you love your children, you'll, you'll be prompt to discipline them. You'll, you'll, you'll do that. Here's what Hebrews says about us. We're his children concerning God and us. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. If you don't discipline your kids, it means you don't love them. But, but, and there is a way to discipline. And, and I don't, I don't, you know, there's different ways, different kids. And each kid has to even be disciplined a little bit different. I mean, even in my kids, what worked for one didn't necessarily work for the other. This is what I know about kids. One can come out of the womb with a smile on their face and a rose in their hand saying, Daddy, I'm going to make your life great. 
Another one can come out with a smirk on his face and a cigarette in their mouth and say in the next 18 years they're going to be hell. That's just how it is. And so we got to learn to discipline in a way that, 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 that brings out the best. We're trying to develop character. We're trying to change behavior. We're not just trying to, to say, I'm in charge, I'm the man. No, we're, we're trying to bring children that hopefully will, will love God one day and honor Him. Here's what Ephesians tells us. We go to the book to where Paul wrote. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children. I mean, I wish I... Let me just say, stop it. Quit. If you do that one more time, one, two, three, quit. Stop. Don't do that. that it's causing confusion for you. It's, it's causing grief and all kinds. Of, rather, bring them up with the loving discipline of the Lord himself for proofs, with suggestions and, and godly advice. Here's, the, here, here's what I think can kind of summarize all discipline. You decide how it happens in your house. You get along with God, but I think there has to be clear expectations and consistent follow-through. It, Micah, you're not going to talk to your mom like that. She's my wife. She's the queen of this house. You're going to respect her, and you're going you're gonna to do what she says. And then, you know what? Nah, here, Micah. Well, she, yeah. Micah? Go to your room for 10 minutes. Think about what I just told you. I set my timer. Not 8 minutes, not 7 minutes, 10 minutes. 5 years old. That, that kind of fits the crime. He comes back down. He messes up again. Micah, you're not going to talk to your mom like that. You're not going to talk to my wife like that. No TV for 3 days. And that doesn't mean 1 day. It doesn't mean 2 days. It means 3 days. And so we keep that because it's consistent follow through. Yeah, he starts... Micah, you're not going to talk to your mom like that. Go to your room, get ready, and he knows the belt's coming off. That's how we do it at our house. You can do it however you want. But there's got to be consistent follow-through. Quit you, Yelling at your kids does not work. You're losing it, and they're losing respect. This might be the best advice you get. It doesn't work. They're not listening to you. Oh, here he comes again. It becomes, my grandparents used to live by a train track, and we'd go visit them in the summer. And that train, the first two nights drove me crazy. Couldn't sleep. It was so loud. It'd go by. We, we stayed one summer. My, we were in transition, and we lived from for about eight weeks. By that seventh week, I didn't even hear the train. I didn't even know it. You know, that's what it is in screaming and yelling in your house. It's like living by a train track. That eventually, it's just, it's just dead noise. It's just... It's just yapping and yelling. I'm de- when you operate in extremes, it doesn't work. You need clear expectations. This is what I expect, and this is the consequences. And we're going to follow through. I know you want a good family. Solomon wanted you to have a good family. I, I want you to have a good family. I want to have a good family. So we got to take his advice to counsel, to take it to heart, and not just here begin to apply it, that forever and together marriage matters, that purposeful and intentional. We've got to have vision. It's important that love and limits will either add value to your kid's life or lack of it will ruin their lives. And, and, and I, I, let me close with this. Let me, let me close with this. We, the Grant home is not perfect. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. We, we've made all kinds, and the Grant's my last name if you don't know that. My home is not perfect. My kids have 
blown it one day, I'll tell you about it. I'm not going to tell you about it now because it's still, you say, well, tell me now. I'm not. It's none of your business. I will tell you when I want to tell you. We've had some struggles. We've had some challenges. We've had some difficulties, really, with, with both the boys. And, and, uh, and, and it's, it's just tough. I have not been perfect. They've not been perfect. I do want this more than anything. I want them to know I love them. I want them to know regardless of what they're in, what they're going through. Again, I'm not going to rescue them from the potential consequences. I don't want to do that and, and, and allow them to miss out on, on some real growth. But, but I want to walk through the fire with them. I, I want them to know I'm like the dad on the, on the porch waiting for the prodigal son. No matter how far you go, no matter what decisions you make, no matter how bad it gets, I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to love you. I'm always going to try to walk with you. I want that, and I hope they know that. Listen, I'm an earthly father. And if I want that as an earthly father, how much more does our heavenly father want that for his kids? And if you've surrendered your life to him, you're his kid. He, he might not take you out of the fire. He might, he might allow those consequences and those struggles to really form and shape you. But he's going to walk with you through the, through the fire. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they, they got thrown into the furnace and God didn't just snatch them up. He wanted them to smell. He wanted them to smell the heat and feel the fire. He wanted it to be a testimony of his power. But that old wicked king said, hey, there's another somebody in that fire and it's likened unto the Son of God. He didn't take them out. He joined them. And when they did get through it together, it was like their clothes were not even scorched or burned. No smell of it. Listen to me, friend. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God's for you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to help you from this day forward. He wants to be in your family. He wants to be in your marriage. He wants to come alongside your kids. And I'm just encouraging you, don't let the past keep you from the future. Don't let your past mistakes keep you from moving forward right now. You begin to just say, as for me and my house, from this day forward, we're going to walk after God. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. But the Proverbs writer will learn later. The righteous fall seven times, but they just keep getting up. Guys, our God, our eyes are fixed on you. Our heart is bent towards you. We're going after you. Give us help. Give us strength. Give us grace. Amen, everybody. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me.